Welcome to Chapel of the Lake in Lake St. Louis, Missouri. The Chapel family is a multi-generational community of believers who gather weekly to worship and explore God's Word as we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us now as Pastor Aaron McMillan opens the Scriptures. Well, good morning again. If you haven't been around for a while or you just haven't been paying attention, over the last few weeks we've been looking at the life of King Hezekiah. He has served as a bright light in the midst of dark times in the time of Judah. The northern kingdom had fallen to Assyria not long before this time. Judah's fate seemed to be heading the same direction. Their faith was wavering. The people continued to work in their own ways. And judgment was looming around the corner. I've titled this sermon, When Bright Lights Flicker, because that's exactly what we'll see happen over the course of the events that we'll read this morning. An instance where the light wasn't working properly. It wasn't shining as bright as it should have. A temporary lapse into judgment, into darkness that affected all those around Hezekiah. You know, I don't know if you've ever had a deal with a light that has flickered. It can be a pretty pesky problem. Sometimes you just need to replace the light bulb. It's on its way out. It needs to be replaced. But other times there's something deeper to analyze. Hypothetically, I may have, may have had some lights in my kitchen, a set of three of them, that flickered all the time. But not on any consistent basis. They would flicker for a couple of days, and then for the next three months they'd be fine. And it wasn't the light bulb. They were three separate lights, and they all did the same thing at the same time. And so... I assume that it was due to, you know, some faulty wiring, uh, circuit problem, uh, some other issue, but it maybe it's a deal with a dimmer switch. Maybe it's the deal where it's connected to the other lights in my kitchen. And the bottom line was, I don't really know, and I haven't really dealt with that problem hypothetically. Okay? It may not seem like a big deal. I mean, it's it's lights that flicker, and I just have to go toggle, hypothetically, the button, and then they'll come back on to, to full blast. And then randomly, when they go back down to dim, I just toggle the thing, and they come back on. And it's like, oh, minor inconvenience, no no big deal there. And And it is true that it's no big deal, unless on my way home I hear fire sirens, and I get home and I see the fire department in front of my house, which is on fire, due to maybe some faulty circuiting or wiring or however. I'm not an electrician. I don't know. If that happened, it would be a very big deal. And it would be really unfortunate if that really big deal could have been fixed if I just got rid of this little pesky problem of a flickering light. The period of Hezekiah's life that we're going to look at reveals a light that is flickering. And in the text that we'll examine, make it clear that there is one root cause for the flickering. And as you may have surmised, that one cause is pride. And Hezekiah's pride is no small thing to ignore. Because the risk that pride poses in the life of Hezekiah is going to prove to be fatal. Not just to Hezekiah, but to the entire nation of Judah. So this morning we're going to attempt to learn a lesson about pride. Well, actually, I'm, I'm breaking a lot of preaching rules and what I typically do and having three nice points. And, and we're going to try to learn ten lessons about pride. I promise in short form so we can better identify and uproot pride whenever it rears its ugly head in our life. And so instead of 
kind of read the passage and having three points and, and then coming back for application. We're just going to kind of go through the text. And I'm going to make observations as we go, just to prepare you for that. Before we open up the text, there, there's a couple of things that we should just be aware of. We're going to pick up the story of Hezekiah where we ended last week as it's written in Second Chronicles 32. But don't turn there quite yet because this small section of scripture, Second Chronicles 32 verses 24 to 31, are really just a summary of Hezekiah's life as he reigned as king in Judah. And this Summary is also covered in detail in 2 Kings chapter 20. And so that's where we'll be most of the morning, where I'm going to encourage you to turn your Bibles because I won't have those scriptures up on the screen. 2 Kings chapter 20. And this same uh, scenario and events that we're going to read are also addressed in Isaiah 38, 39. They're almost identical. We'll turn there to get some additional insight every once in a while. But our main text this morning is 2 Kings chapter 20. The last thing that I'll say before we get into it this morning is there's some debate about the chronology of these events. You'll notice if you read all three of the accounts in 2 Kings 20, 1 Chronicles 32, Isaiah 38 and 39, they all start with this little phrase, in those days. And what I think that is, is a signal to say we've just broken from the chronological time frame. And so last week, Pastor Keith brought us through the attempted siege on Jerusalem. The angel of the Lord struck 185,000 Assyrians, and they went home uh, with their tail between their legs. But then in those days, and so we're going backwards in time. So it's not a linear progression in either 1 Kings 20 or 1 Chronicles 32. So if you're just curious and wondering, I think that 24 to 31 happens before the events we covered last week. At the end of the day, it really doesn't change the lessons we're trying to learn about pride. Just want to make you aware if you go home and do a bunch of studying. With all that said, let's have a brief word of prayer and we'll jump into it. Dear Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning through your word, that you would help us learn true lessons about pride that may be hiding in the crevices of our hearts. Maybe there's a flicker of pride in our life. I pray that we would root it out and blow it out, that you would uh, help us pursue humility. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So we look at Second Chronicles 32:24. This is where we'll start. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And he prayed to the Lord, and he answered him and gave him a sign. That's all the chronicler uh, tells us about this event that you're hopefully looking at in Second Kings chapter 20. So we're going to go there, and it's going to give us all the details of what happened in this one verse in Second Chronicles. So it was in the first 11 verses of Second Kings chapter 20. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah sent the prophet of the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die. You shall not recover. And you just stop right there and you're like, whoa, that's a little sudden. King Hezekiah, this is like the, one of the only good judges in all of Judah, all of Israel. And the prophet comes and he doesn't say, hey, good work, congratulations, keep up the good work. Here's the blessing from the Lord. He says, hey, get your affairs in order. You're going to die. You're sick and you're not recovering. So put your affairs in order. I'm surprised. I think Hezekiah is even more surprised. And you see that in his response, verse 2. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. 
And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And we understand and we read that. I'm like, yeah, that's probably how I would react too. And and he reacts in a, in a good way and saying, oh my goodness, I just heard from the Lord that I'm going to die. Well, let me go talk to the Lord myself. God, have mercy on me. I thought I was doing good. Why are you telling me that I'm not going to recover? And so something interesting happens next in verse 4. And before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. I think we saw that last week. And I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And Isaiah said, bring a cake of figs and let them take and lay it on the boil that he may recover. And so the Lord hears the prayer of Hezekiah. There's a whole sermon about God hearing our prayers and pleas for mercy. But God hears and before Isaiah can even leave the court, he says, turn around, turn around. I heard Hezekiah's prayer. Go tell him he's going to be healed. And God prescribes a healing solution. Bake a fig cake. I don't know what a fig cake is. It sounds like a dessert to me. But he tells him not to eat it. Just place it over the boils. Now, obviously, I don't think there's some medicine in figs that heal this. I mean, I guess there could be. I'm, I don't know. I think it really is, is, is a test of faith. Like, here's, yes, you're going to be healed, and, and here's a fig cake. Put it on the boils, and on the third day, go show yourself you're going to be healed. But, again, I could relate. Hezekiah seems a little suspicious. Really? Five minutes ago you told me I'm going to die and now you're telling me to put cakes on my wounds and I'm going to be okay? And I get 15 more years? And so in verse 8, Hezekiah says to Isaiah, could you clarify, could I ensure that this is, this is, I'm hearing this right? What shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me and then I shall go up to the house of the Lord on the third day? And so Isaiah said, this shall be the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing that he has promised. He's going to say, Okay, Hezekiah, you want a sign? Good news. The Lord says he'll give you a sign, and you even get to pick what the sign is. Shall the shadow go forward 10 steps or go back 10 steps? And now what Isaiah is asking uh, Hezekiah to choose between is these steps are like a sundial, steps of Ahaz that told the time. And so the Lord says through the prophet Isaiah, I'll prove to you that you're going to be healed in three days. You pick. Do you want the sun to go forward? By 10 steps. Now, we don't know if that's 10 minutes. I like to think it's 10 hours. I don't know. Or you can choose it to go backward 10 steps, 10 minutes, 10 hours, 10 days. Probably not, but maybe. And so Hezekiah answered, it is an easy thing for the shadow to lengthen 10 steps. Like maybe someone would think they dozed off for a second and all of a sudden they wake up and it's farther. That's just natural progression. So he says, rather let the shadow go back 10 steps. No one can deny that the sun just moved backwards by 10 minutes, 10 hours, 10 days. And Isaiah the prophet called to the Lord and he brought the shadow back 10 steps by which it had gone down on the steps of Ahaz. So you're like, whoa. Not only is Hezekiah's prayers answered, he's healed miraculously, and then God confirms it by moving the sun backwards. Or something like that. I'm not an astronomer either. And for me, this is kind of what I expect. This is the good king Hezekiah. Of course, God's going to answer his prayer, do what he wants, show him miraculous signs. But it's here that we find our first lesson about pride. 
pride lurks behind success. Hezekiah is in danger here. And it's already shown up in a little bit. And we'll explore that in just one second. What we're going to see this morning is that pride is easy to fall into. And especially when things are going well. Hezekiah had unprecedented success at this time. If you think about your life in times of poverty or times of distress or times of struggle, it's almost easier to go to God because we have no recourse of our own. We're saying, God, I can't deal with this. This is so bad. I need help. And we're, we're brought before the Lord. But in times of prosperity or rest or leisure, isn't it so easy to forget the Lord? And it, and it shows up in a phrase like this. I have nothing to worry about. Things are good. Bank account is full. House is big. Cars are in the driveway. My belly's full. Man, I got nothing to worry about. Be careful. Pride lurks behind success. God warned his people about this as they entered the promised land in Deuteronomy chapter 8. He says, take care. Be warned, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them. And when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied. That's exactly what Hezekiah was dealing with. And if you think about it in the broad sense, this describes American Christianity in a lot of ways. We are a blessed people that have a whole lot of stuff. Beware because pride lurks behind success. He says, when all the things are going good, you're saying, I got nothing to worry about. Verse 14 of Deuteronomy 8 says, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And if we go back to the passage in 2 Kings and we read verse 3 a little critically, I think we also see another warning about pride. I'm going to read it with a little different emphasis. Verse 3. Now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart that I have done and what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And it may seem like a minor detail or, or that I'm maybe stretching the point, but I don't think I'm overstating it. Notice the reasoning that God gives for answering the prayer of Hezekiah in verse 6. And I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. God says, I'm going to answer your prayer, Hezekiah, but it's about me. It's about my glory and my promise to my people. Hezekiah was saying, look at how I have walked. Look at what I have done. I'm going to lose all of this that I've done for you. And God says, okay, Hezekiah, I need to teach you something. And it's not about you or what you've done or what you have accomplished. Pride looks and sells our accomplishments. Pride says, I did this. And God says, I'm going to answer your prayer, but it's not because of you. I'm doing it for me, my name, my sake, my promises to my people. You see, Hezekiah had forgotten his priorities. He was saying, I did this. What did he do? He was a vehicle, but it was God who placed him in this position. It was God who caused his hand to prosper. It was God who acted on his behalf, who would continue to act on his behalf. These three little words, I did this. Are a subtle, a subtle sign of pride in Hezekiah's heart. And not very far behind the thought of, I did this. We get another three words in just a second. Because pride inflates our merits. 
Pride says, not only I did this, but I deserve this. Not only was Hezekiah focused on his accomplishments, I think he started to think because of his accomplishments, he was entitled to God answering his prayer. He was entitled to blessing. He deserved this. That is pride. In that same passage in Deuteronomy chapter 8, God continues, Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And so when we put it in this perspective, that pride says, I did this and I deserve this, I think it's pretty apparent that this isn't just a Hezekiah problem. You ever think that God owes you? Do you ever look at all the things that you do in your life and say like, yeah, look at me. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've accomplished. That's pride. You ever think, well, look at all the good stuff I did. Of course God is going to bless me. That's pride. How many times have I thought I did this? I deserve this. When we ought to be thanking the Lord for how he has worked in our lives, how he has put us in the position that we're in. Hezekiah was in a dangerous place, but I don't think it's that far from you or from me as we look at our own accomplishments and what we think we may be entitled to or deserve. And you know, like even marketing today plays on this truth. It's one of my biggest pet peeves. All the radio ads, TV, I don't really watch a whole lot of, but I'm sure it's out there too. You deserve this vacation. You deserve this car. You deserve, you deserve. Why? Because they know it plays on your ego. That's pride. If we open up scripture, what do we deserve? Not anything we want. Yeah. Be wary of pride, of saying, I did this. I deserve this. If we were to turn over, you can if you want to put just a couple of the verses on the screen to Isaiah 38. He describes the same scene because Isaiah is there. He's involved. And, and a lot of it is exactly the same. But in Isaiah 38, we also get to see almost like a psalm of Hezekiah. He writes, after he's healed, he writes out this like psalm or poem to God. And in, in the first, most of it, he's talking about how I was at that door, but God heard me and he healed me. And I want to bring you to the end of what he's saying here in verse 19 and 20 of Isaiah 38. In the middle of this poem, or at the end of this poem, he says, the living, the living, he thanks you, as I do this day. The Father makes known to the children your faithfulness. The Lord will save me, and he will play music on stringed instruments all the days of our lives at the house of the Lord. And when you read that, you're like, yeah, Hezekiah's getting it. This is, this is the right response. And really, it is. This should be the response of Hezekiah. But unfortunately, when we go back to our text in Second Chronicles, we get a little more insight to the true heart of Hezekiah. It's verse 25 of Second Chronicles 32. But Hezekiah did not make return according to the benefit done to him, for his heart was proud. And so here's another not-so-subtle revelation about pride. Pride betrays our lips. Hezekiah knew all the right things 
to say. And he even might have meant it when he wrote that down. But at best, it was an emotional experience because he just received healing and 15 more years of his life when he panicked in a moment of despair that he was going to die. He said, I promise this. I promise this, God. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to praise you and proclaim you and tell everyone about you. I'm going to constantly be in the temple and sing your praises, God. But he never made return according to the benefit done him. In other words, is he never acted like he got anything from God. His life never reflected a, at this time, a acknowledgement of the gift that God had given him. His life didn't line up with his lips. And you know what that is? It's a pride of pride. The pride says the right things, but you don't really believe it. And it doesn't show up in your actions. There's a warning about the things that we say and, and what it reveals about us when we don't do those things. I know that this is true, not only from the one verse in Second Chronicles, but because we keep reading in Second Kings chapter 20. The story continues. The scenery changes a little bit, but same time frame. So verse 12 of Second Kings chapter 20. At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, the king of Babylon, sent envoys with letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. Implied in that is he heard he was sick, he heard he was healed, and people were talking about the sun moving backwards. And Hezekiah welcomed them, and he showed them all his treasure, all his treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious oil, his armory, all that was found in his storehouses. There was nothing in his house or in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show him. You see, word had spread about this miraculous recovery, this miracle of the sun going backwards. And the Babylonians sent an envoy, a delegation. They bring letters. They talk to Hezekiah. And likely what I think is happening is they're trying to get form an alliance between Judah and Babylon against the Assyrians. How does Hezekiah respond when they show up? Well, of course he does what he says in Isaiah 38. He lets them know about the faithfulness of the Lord. He points them to the Lord's hand at work. He plays them a song about God's instruments because he said that he was going to play music all the days of his lives in the house of the Lord. Except that's not at all what he did. He brought them to his house, showed them his stuff. And they didn't, go, even, they didn't even go to the temple. They didn't even go to the temple. He didn't say anything about God. Pride had betrayed his lips. This guy had promised to spend his days praising the Lord. But when it comes to action, he was focused on his stuff. Pride focuses on stuff. I have this. Ooh, these people come. What am I going to show them? What am I going to tell them? Am I going to talk about God? Ooh, let me take them to the storehouse. Let me show them the gold. Let me show them the silver. Let me show them the dishes, the china, whatever it is, the spices, the oils. Let me show them the armory. Maybe they want to be on my side once they see all the stuff that I have, all the weapons that I have, all of my strength. He showed them everything. There was nothing in his house or in his, all his realm that Hezekiah did not show him. Pride focuses on stuff. It says, I have this. Therefore, I am important. And that's what we see 
Next, verse 14. Isaiah the prophet comes back to King Hezekiah and says to him, Well, what did these men say? And from where did they come to you? And Hezekiah said, They have come from a far country, from Babylon. He said, well, what have they seen in your house? And Hezekiah answered, well, they have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing in my storehouses that I don't show them because it's awesome. Look at all this stuff. Of course they wanted to see me and all my stuff. Pride also feeds on flattery. It says, I am important. When Isaiah, he comes and says, well, what did these men say? And from where did they come to you? His answer is, well, they have come from a far country. I'm pretty sure the prophet knew where Babylon was. They have come from far away to see me because I am important. And when they come to see an important man, they want to see all the important stuff. So I showed them all the things. Pride says, I am important. I care more about what people think about me than what God does or even obeying him. But there's something else in the same set of verses that I see about pride. You know, when Isaiah comes to Hezekiah, the first question he asks, Hezekiah never answers. What did these men say? And from where did they come to you? And Hezekiah said, well, they have come from a far country, from Babylon. He never answered the question. He never said what these men from Babylon said. Why not? What could they have been talking about? And I think, in this moment, it's a little bit of my conjecture, but I think in this moment, now that the prophet of God is standing in front of him, he realizes, oh, maybe I shouldn't have been talking to the Babylonians about getting their support or the Assyrians or whatever else they wanted. Maybe... I should have been talking about God. And we didn't talk about God at all. What did they say? They said how shiny my gold was and how many weapons I had. And But I know Isaiah doesn't want to hear any of that because that's not how I'm supposed to relate to the Babylonians or the Syrians or the Egyptians. So you know what he does? He skips it. He doesn't even talk about it. And this is what pride does. Pride minimizes our flaws. I'm just going to pretend I didn't hear that, Isaiah, and just keep moving on because I might have done something wrong, but I don't want to admit it. I'm minimizing my flaws. Before we're too harsh on Hezekiah, do you ever have a tendency to minimize your flaws? Do you ever have a tendency to maybe make yourself look a little better than you are? To fudge the truth? To pretend you didn't make that mistake? To hope that no one notices? Of course, I'm not speaking of any personal experience of mine. No, I think we we all do. And that's the danger. There's tendency when pride comes in and we have to identify and understand it that, man, if I'm minimizing my flaws, that's pride. Pride says, it's no big deal. Well, yeah, I did that, but they did that, and that's way worse. Oh, yeah, I know I shouldn't have done that, but look at this other stuff that I did. No, you're minimizing your flaws. That's pride. And that's exactly what Hezekiah does as he whitewashes, forgets, skips over his interaction with the Babylonians. I think it's because he knew he did wrong. And he didn't want to be called out or confronted by the prophet of God. The prophet already knew, of course, what Hezekiah had done and the intentions of his heart. So what happens 
Verse 16, 2 Kings 20. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house, you know all the stuff that you just showed the Babylonians, and that which your fathers have stored up to this day, the stuff that you didn't even earn or get or accomplish, all that stuff shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons who will come from you, whom you father, yet they're going to be taken away. And they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Pride brings severe consequences. But you know what Hezekiah probably was thinking? Like, what? I never expected that. I didn't think pride was that big of a deal. I didn't think pride was deserving of this kind of consequence. And I think we do that same thing. Oh, well, at least I'm not doing this or this or this. I mean, it's just a little pride. It's just a little flicker. It's just a little pride. No, it's a big deal. It's such a big deal that the consequences aren't just for Hezekiah. Actually, he gets off a little easy. It's His sin is going to affect his sons, his grandchildren, and the whole nation of Judah because this comes true within a 100 years as Babylon comes, takes Jerusalem, raises the temple to the ground, and then takes all of Judah to Babylon. Well, predominantly all of Judah to Babylon. Hooks in their noses. All the way became slaves and eunuchs. Why? Hezekiah was proud. Hezekiah was boasting in himself. Hezekiah was taking matters into his own hand. Hezekiah was prideful. And so I would imagine how Hezekiah would respond and just be floored and broken and go back to weeping and pleading for mercy. But look at verse 19. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. What? It's good? You just got told your children are going to become slaves, brought out of their homeland to Babylon, and you think that's good? That's how far in this moment Hezekiah has fallen. This is what pride has done to his heart. For he thought, why not? Why not if there will be peace and security in my days? Pride ignores others. Ignores the plight of others. Ignores the needs of others. It ignores others. Pride says, as long as it doesn't affect me, as long as it's good for me, who cares? And this has got to be the pinnacle of pride and selfishness. As long as it doesn't... Matter for me, like, I don't even care if my sons die. I don't even care if my sons become slaves. Who cares? I know that I'm getting 15 years of peace and prosperity. I'm kicking my feet up. It's going to be a good time. Who cares? That's pride. And that pride brought severe consequences. And you look at this and you go back to Chronicles and you read the summary of, of Hezekiah. And, and we get to his commentary on this passage and you get to hezekiah 32 31 and so in the matter of the envoys of the princes of babylon who had been sent to him to inquire about the sign that had been done in the land god left him to himself in order to test him and to know all that was in his heart you know none of this happened by accident you know that god was working behind all of these things and ultimately what god was teaching and revealing to hezekiah is that pride reveals our heart That pride reveals our heart. 
All these things were opportunities for Hezekiah to decide, who do you love? Yourself or God? And that's a question that pride asks or says, I love myself. I love myself. Now, my guess is, although in some self-help circles it's popular, my guess is most of us, hopefully, don't just go walking around. I love myself. I love myself. I love myself. If you do, please don't. You know, come talk to me. It's not that overt. Hezekiah didn't outright say, but I love myself. But his actions, his attitude, they clearly revealed that he loved himself more than God. And we look at Hezekiah and we say, yeah, you, how dumb are you? Now ask yourself, how many times you put people, stuff in front of God? And does that not say you love yourself more than God? Does that not say the same thing that Hezekiah proved? I love myself. I care more about myself. I don't care what happens to that person down the street. I got what I need. I don't care what that missionary needs. I got what I need. I have to do an assessment on me. Right? That's what we're all called to do. Pride reveals our heart. It shows what we love at its root. And what we learn about Hezekiah, and my fear is that we can all trend towards this, especially in a society like ours, is the most important thing is me. I love myself. He was feeling self-sufficient, prideful, and all this stuff. Listen, there's good news for us today as we even think about this pretty tragic story. You know, God granted Hezekiah's request, but it came at great cost. Judah feels the ramification of his pride for all of his future generations. But thankfully, as we read the accounts of Hezekiah in Kings and Chronicles and Isaiah, what we understand is that this was a flicker in Hezekiah's legacy. Because he is still known as one of the best kings of Judah. And yet he too struggled with pride. And so there's hope for me. I think there's, there's reassurance here that we're not called to be perfect and we will struggle, but we ought to be looking for lessons that we can learn as we read of Hezekiah. It tells me that pride is a human problem and that we don't have to be defined by pride. You see in verse 26 of that same passage in Second Chronicles, in the summary of who Hezekiah was, we got to verse 26 that I skipped over and kept for the end. There is an antidote to pride. Second Chronicles 32, 26. But Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord did not come upon them in the days of Hezekiah. We learn that as you read Scripture, go read Proverbs in particular, but all throughout Scripture, we know that God actively opposes the proud. But then we look to the table that we shared together a little earlier. And, and, and now it makes sense of, 
of the antidote to pride is humility, and we see it in the life and example and ministry of Jesus. And so we read Scripture and we learn that the one who humbles himself gains favor with God. The one who humbles himself is lifted up. The one who humbles himself is sustained and guided and ultimately crowned with victory. And thankfully, we understand that it's not dependent on us our own merits, our own accomplishments, all these things that pride tempts us to say, we just say, I'm resting in what Christ has already done and accomplished. The last thing I'll say is we're done. It's one thing to pray against pride. We should do that. We should look for pride and root it out. But it's a whole other thing to pray for humility. But that is what Jesus has called us to. And so I guess my prayer for us this morning is that we wouldn't just avoid flickering pride or a lot of dark pride, but that we would seek humility because that's when our lights shine the brightest as we follow the example of Christ and walk in his humility. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we're thankful that this is not about us, that this is about you, what you've done, what you've accomplished, and that we don't have to depend on ourselves. But so often we fall into pride where we think that we did something, we deserve something, we have something, that we're important, that we're good. Ultimately, I pray you would help us love you more than we love ourselves, that we would hate pride, but also that we would pursue humility, that we'd be able to see Jesus more and more each day and his humility being worked out in the way that we walk with him and the way that we look out for those around us. We pray these things in your name. Amen. May God bless you as you grow in your walk with him this week.